0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me on an overcast and empty day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill. And today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Ava Thomas, director of Dan Side Dance Studio, a Devon-based dance studio. Ava, Hello.
1: Hi, Matthew. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, well, before we uh, get into our conversation on leadership, let's have uh, a bit of a discussion on the uh, COVID-19 outbreak. How has it affected the studio?
1: Um, it's, it's a bit of a shock for the whole country, really, I guess. Um, for us, it's... Um, it's scary for us because it's um, nobody knows what's going on and we can't tell our parents and our dancers entirely what the future of holds course. or when we'll get to see them again. And I think that's a big thing because it's not just dance, it's community and they're so used to it. We've got so many kids that are used to just seeing each other all the time um, and now trying to explain, especially to some of the little ones, where they don't get to see their friends and their teachers is really sad more than anything. But we're working on different plans try and keep in touch with them all in various ways (laughs) at the moment. Do you have
0: any plans to try and uh, conduct remote learning?
1: Um, So, to be totally honest with you, we've tried to keep, um, because we have quite a large premises ourselves, so we tried to keep going as long as we could in line with leisure centres and it wasn't until the schools closed that we decided that we would make sure we were closed to sort of follow protocols and things. Um, so our first plan was always just to say, look, we were going to have a two-week Easter break. Let's just move our Easter break early and then we can take a step back and sort of reassess what's happening and how we're going to go about it. Um, from my point of view, I needed to take a moment out and work out what was available to us for help, how we were going to sort of make sure the premises and the studios were safe and secure and we could just keep funding them to stay open. Um but also I've got quite a lot of staff. So it was important to me to make sure that we supported them before we went to our customers and said, oh, this is what we're going to jump online and do this and do that. I didn't want to make any rash snap decisions that I might regret later on. So we've sort of actually taken a step back and it's almost been like, let's see what some of the others do. We've said this is our holiday right now, so we're going to enjoy a little bit of downtime. It's periodization for our dancers to sort of have a moment and see what else is available before we go, no, let's jump on board like everyone else and maybe not do it as well as I'd like us to do something. That makes sense. We want to make sure that if we do go down the digital route that we do it properly. And mm. um, so just checking out the ones that make it, don't make it. And to be honest with you, there's some really awesome stuff out there online. So it may well be a case of more pinpointing people to things we found are really great and keeping our community spirit going that way rather than them having to witness me in my lounge with the dog, the cat, the kids running around. which <laughs> could <just> be disastrous. <laughs> or they're entertaining, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> well, why don't we move on to the subject of leadership? I always like mm-hmm. to start this conversation off with a very simple question, which sometimes has a rather complex answer. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: That is a complicated answer, isn't it? <laughs> um leader is someone that can step up and sort of support those around them um for me personally it's having the su- support or being supportive to help others shine and to fulfill what they need to do and from my point of view it's having a group of people around me that can build us all up and our background is building a community because I know I can't do everything but I'm quite good at finding those people that are really good at their little niche bits to make us as a whole a much better entity so to speak um so it's just finding a way to help others be the and how best do that you and
0: how do you support your your staff uh to make them the best that they can be
1: oh i don't know if they'd always agree that i do to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> but, but i don't like to think that's my purpose um just being available to them like making sure even at the moment unfortunately i have had to furlough quite a lot of our paye staff um, and the Mm -hmm. admin staff and things like that because there isn't stuff necessarily for them to be doing at the moment and i wanted to protect their jobs they've got something to come back to um but even then it's just checking in every day we've got little facebook whatsapp groups and that checking how they are how they're surviving with their kids making sure that they're in a good mindset um and that as much as I might feel rotten and don't really want to see the world, but put it out there and saying, right, you know, mm-hmm. we are still a community and we can all still do this if we all stick it together. Even if I go and hide in a duvet myself afterwards, I think it's really important to show the staff that I'm still available to them if they need it. Um, I've also got a couple that's really important to me still complete their apprenticeships with us. So they're actually still working. Um, but remotely from home, partly because I don't want to, they're literally, their apprenticeships uh, run out in June. That's when they should complete. And that's like the worst thing that was this outside thing that's just happened at the moment that I want to make sure that they get all their full qualifications from it. So it's just right. being there to help them if they need any support. Also, to be totally honest with you, they're so awesome that most of the time I think they pick me up just as much as the other way around. Um and it is making sure you sort of the gel that keeps that community together, be in the person that reaches out to contact them all. And even if it is sharing funny dance videos to each other. Now, <laughs> um,
0: of course, dealing with people is a major part of leadership. Uh, how do you handle conflict?
1: Um, personally, I would run away and hide if I could. Um <laughs> it is the worst thing and nobody likes having to deal with it no. i can't imagine anybody particularly appreciates it um at the moment i uh, we're so lucky that actually all our customers and parents have been awesome with everything that's going on at the moment and we've tried to be as open showing how vulnerable we are but like that we are on it and trying to look after them as much as ourselves so sort of coronavirus and all that aside is one thing um but, but uh, we have in the past had issues and i and, there's times where your heart will literally jump out of your chest so you have somebody speech like that and in the last 24 months I'd say I've I personally feel like I've learned to step up a little bit and I will step in front of a staff member and I will back my staff a lot more than maybe in the past that I would have thought was the correct thing to do it used to be that the customer was always right but I think have learned to understand that the customer may be right, but they're probably misinformed or we haven't done our job properly to explain something to them or um, their expectations haven't been met and is that something we could fix? But at that time, mm. I just have to step in and be like, no, that's fine, let's calm the situation and do it. And we have sort of now come about getting sort of more business systems in place so that I have a protocol of how I would call someone or get them in for a meeting to try and defuse situations before they actually become an issue. Right,
0: so it's prevention.
1: And Yeah, and, and that's part of also just being on the ground a little bit as well, just making sure that there is the ground that I go and meet and greet a lot of the customers and that a lot of the time. I try and make sure I know everyone by name just so that you sort of hear if there's any whispers Parents like to chat and that I suppose, in the changing rooms they're waiting for their kids and that. So it's just a matter of getting in there and being like, oh hi, how are you today? Any problems before there's a problem, so to speak. So it's not fair on anybody having to be on the brunt of it. We recently had a big, huge show that we did, and it just it ended up being enormous, and it was awesome. But there was lots of teething problems along the way, and when we're dealing with parents their child is the most precious thing in the world and so it should be but if they're not happy for some element in the show that their kid's not in the front row or whatever it may be I think sometimes remembering that I'm a parent as well you know when you're tired and you're stressed and something's happened and it can be that that's the last thing at the end of the day and they come along and find out their kid's costume doesn't fit and they just flip on you and so it's sort of just realising that we all have those bad days and that that's not who that person is. That's just that snapshot at that moment. But I have to say, it has taken me a long time to get to that point where I'm like, I can take a breath and let's work this through rather than go, oh, there's just someone shouting at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that is just experience as well. I've never done a leadership proper leadership course or a business management course or anything. So to be fair, I'm winging this the whole time. I was a ballet dancer, you know, this is sort of like out to my remit completely. But it's also quite exciting to develop these skills as you go along.
0: Of course, it's absolutely essential that we all learn and continue to learn. And of course, all the self-discipline you had uh, while working as a as a ballet dancer, of course, so it would obviously help you in your quest for, for the leadership. Now, unfortunately, our time together has uh, finished uh, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Dan's side dance studio?
1: Um, well, I spinning everything into a positive, using this time at the moment, to take a step back and actually really develop where I want the business to go. Is I'm trying to see as an exciting time. It's a moment that I've had to pause and think, you know what? Um, this wasn't quite working. Now we can look at solutions to tweak that. Whereas before, it we was just busy day to day carrying on with everything and getting everything going. Now I can step back and go, This wasn't working. Let's see what we can do to fix that. This is working. How can we improve that? And look, I've got some really exciting things in the pipeline that, you know, when we come out, we can relaunch and be like, Look how awesome this is. We've had so much fun apart learning things in our own communities, but it's so much better when we get back together and we're back in the building and there's so many opportunities we can do so actually it's not all bad at the moment there are some really good things that could come out of this too
0: well Ava it's been an absolute pleasure uh to discuss leadership with you and I very much hope that you can come back in the program in much calmer times Ava thank you
1: <laughs> thank you Matthew
0: that was Ava Thomas director of Dance Side Dance Studio and now if you haven't heard it before is Jonathan White's exclusive
2: interview with Lord Blunkett uh, we're joined uh, today by uh, David Blunkett, Lord Blunkett, former Home Secretary, former Education Secretary. David, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Uh, it's always a pleasure, but uh, since we are talking around the theme of leadership, it would be a remiss of me if we didn't start with the leadership election going on in the Labour Party. Apart from, I'm sure your delight that a certain someone is leaving a post, what are your thoughts
3: on it so far? Well, I think the party membership have got to make a very clear decision. Uh, Are they in in the stands watching or are they on the pitch playing? And if they want to play, then the two candidates that are in for the future are Lisa Nandy and Keir Starmer. I'm personally backing Lisa because I think she's a brave woman with a tremendous amount to give. She's got really good, positive ideas. I like them because they're about building from the community rather than command and control from the centre. They're about a new form of social democracy and socialism rather than trying to replicate a failed past. And she can reach out to people that others can't. So I'm I'm giving her my backing. I think Keir Starmer is very professional, mm. very able, and presents extremely well. And I, I hope that one of those two... Uh, actually, come through in the election on the 4th of April. Uh, there has been a lot of criticism, especially from uh, four
2: uh, candidates a little further left um, than them, who've criticised even the last Labour uh, uh, government as being part of 40 years of Thatcherism.
3: Yes, I think it's really unfortunate, uh, particularly when new MPs come in having seen large swathes of their colleagues lose their seat. Uh, to roll up the 13 years of Labour government with everything that I'm so proud of. I mean, we we were not neoliberals or anything like it. We were able, in the first 10 years certainly, uh, which I played a part in, to be able to turn the economy around, to invest in health and education, to be able to transform people's aspirations and their hopes for the, the future. And that included ensuring people got the minimum wage, which we never had before, Sure start to nurture youngsters from the most moment they were born, transformation in the quality of education. And all these things actually add up to helping people to improve and change their lives for the better. And anyone who thinks that's not good and that isn't a government to be proud of needs to answer the question, what chivalent is it that you would want that would actually have done more to change those lives? I can think of two or three myself in terms mm. of... Uh, dramatically taking on uh, inequality, although half a million children were taken out of poverty in those years. I can think of being even tougher on crime, even though I was dubbed as one of the tougher Home Secretaries because the people that I cared about most were on the whole, not exclusively, but mainly the victims of crime. I can think about taking on the very, very rapidly growing transnational power of the big tech tech companies which we still need to work through in terms of how we do that from a, a single nation just off the coast of europe and how we work internationally without getting caught up in wars we don't want to be involved in but how, how are we international in a way that ensures that we play our part in making a better life for humanity as a whole rather than disengaging and becoming alien from the rest of the world? Those are big questions for the social democratic left, particularly with artificial intelligence and robotics changing the world of work forever, I think, in the next 20 years. Uh, An ageing population. Labour got 18% of the over 65 vote in the general election. Just 18%. It's staggeringly... It's extraordinary. ...staggeringly bad. Um, And And climate change, which we all know is going to be either a big gain or a terrific political trauma. We've got to take people with us.
2: No matter uh, which political party it is, the changes that will occur in this decade especially will determine their future ideologies certainly. And spe- speaking of your time uh, as home section in government, um, you worked with so many different individuals of all political stripes and none at all. Is there someone, and on the theme of leadership, that stands out to you that embodies some of those qualities you described earlier? Yes,
3: I mean, I, it's on the theme of bottom up, It was some of the most inspiring uh, head teachers and classroom teachers who, in really, really difficult circumstances, were actually transforming the life chances of children by inspiring those children to want to learn, to, if you like, lighting a candle inside them, uh, giving them a, a, a window on the world, which created an inquiring mind and an understanding that the world was their oyster, that they could do things with support. My, my philosophy has always been mutuality and reciprocity. We, we need mutuality to support each other. We need reciprocity in terms of understanding that we don't just take. We, we give a lot as well. And I suppose that really comes down to uh, if you're prepared to do something for yourself, we're prepared to do something to help you. And that's fundamentally in education but it is in all sorts of walks of life as well. So you can have innovation, you can have entrepreneurship and creativity in in business, you can have the way in which people turn things around for themselves. Small businesses have done that. The Contribution to uh, new ways of doing things, of thinking differently about our economy. Th- those are all grit to the mill. Those are the things we need to do. And we can do them together. It's not that you're on the side of the devil if you're an entrepreneur or you're on the side of the angels if you work in public services. We, we are mm. dependent on each other.
2: Uh, you can't have one without the other. Yes. Um, and I think to coin a term, um, uh, uh, extraordinary, ordinary people, and especially when it comes to, given your answer, David, to uh, teachers, to carers, people that honestly don't get the recognition they deserve on a day-to-day basis, and without them, Half of society wouldn't function
3: completely. I call it civil society, which functions even when government isn't functioning. It's what it's the glue that holds things together. It's people working and living and having their being together and recognizing that they are dependent on each other. I've obviously met incredibly inspiring leaders in a different vein. I was very fortunate to have met Nelson Mandela three times, uh, I met Bill Clinton a number of times, both of whom in very, very different ways, were inspiring leaders. I've met people in leadership positions who couldn't take a decision to save their lives. Uh, Tony Blair famously said in his conference speech the year before he stood down as prime minister, and I, I knew exactly what he meant, he said the worst ministers are those who won't take decisions, and anyone in a leadership role needs to A, know why they're there, what they intend to do with the authority that goes with being a leader and a manager, and then how to draw people in as a team to be able to implement it so that it's a team approach. It's not someone out on a white charger. It's someone who can mobilise, motivate, provide incentives for people to feel that they're part of the solution as well. Uh,
2: And I think whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's sport, it's exactly those qualities that you need to succeed in any of them.
3: Yes, it is. And if people recognise that, and they have a clear idea themselves. They, they have, and build, because you can build, leadership qualities. They know how to manage their own time and their own emotions because we all, are, from time to time, feel like really losing our temper, and I don't pretend for a minute over the years <laughs> that, that I haven't. How, how to control your own feelings and emotion and how to bring the best out in other people's, How how you work out that people who are really good don't threaten you, they compliment you. People who have complementary skills to you are really valuable. And I suppose the ability to listen, not just for its own sake, mm-hmm. but to listen because you are conglomerating. I suppose you would call it plagiarizing thoughts, ideas, ways forward from everyone around you. I often think that... Um, Football managers wouldn't do too bad a job if they actually talked to the fans after the game
2: well, everyone knows uh, David you know you're a big Sheffield Wednesday fan it I know can't be easy having to hear the it, praise of Chris Wilder and Sheffield United every week afterwards no week.
3: I, it isn't although it's damn good for Sheffield, so I'm being a bit magnanimous at the moment it's very about good Sheffield United in the Premier League because it it it's change it does change it lifts the image of the City internationally if you're not just because it's Sheffield United but because if you're playing Liverpool uh, and you're playing Man City then that's a global audience you're immediately beamed across the world so that's good I I, I could cry sometimes we can we can beat uh, Brighton Premier League side in the FA Cup at Brighton we can beat Leeds at Leeds I was there when we beat them 2-0 in January, and then you can, lose and then nil you lose to, five 0 at <laughs> home to Blackburn, and half the fans were out of the ground by by the half time. What, what would
2: a manager blanket say in this situation? I
3: I would have asked myself a very simple question: What went wrong with motivating those players so that when they came out on the field, they walked instead of ran? They didn't have any of the passion they'd had the week before at Leeds. They showed no drive an incentive to take hold of the game what what went wrong with the same players who'd played very well the week previously and if you could answer that question and there may have something may have happened who knows something during the morning before the game started something may have gone sour you get the answer to that question and you then start to ensure that we never never do this again. Yeah,
2: well, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I'm beginning to feel your pain at the minute. Um, <laughs> but I would like to pick up on another point you just made, actually, David, about choosing a strong team, people that complement you. A lot of criticism that uh, Theresa May got as prime minister was that she tended not to pick, perhaps, the more ambitious, the more uh, 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 people uh, uh, ministers that might well challenge her One of Boris Johnson's, for all his faults, uh, he has been said in the past, he's a man that picks people that are good at their briefs. Do you agree with that? Well, I'll
3: reserve judgment on that until I see the outcome of the reshuffle, which, as we record this podcast, has not yet happened. Mm. And I imagine, I, I would be very surprised if he didn't have quite a brutal reshuffle, not just to get people in who he likes, but people who are going to be really sparky and able and clear at doing the job because you can have all the best ideas in the world. You can pronounce on what you're going to do, but if you haven't got leaders in those departments prepared to do it, if they're just toadies, by the way, and there is a tendency, a new mm-hmm. prime minister, large majority, got to be very careful that you don't pick people because you're receiving the echo of your own voice uh, when you're speaking to them, but get able people in. I, I, I won't comment on some of the less able, but there are <laughs> clearly in the Cabinet, as I speak at the moment, people who are really just not up to it. I mean, incidentally, anyone who won't be cross-examined by decent journalists on the BBC, changed their minds recently about mm-hmm. Sky, <clears throat> isn't worth their salt. If, but Part of being cross-questioned is to demonstrate to yourself that you've got a grasp of your brief that you believe in it and that you can persuade people of it and if you can't do that under real cross examination rather than sitting on the sofa for a, mm-hmm. a, a, an easy morning television program get out of the business you know don't don't w- do that without it. a doubt
2: yeah uh, that's and also i should add that is how uh of all stripes earn that respect in the first place
3: but there is a question, isn't and there? And try and answer the questions. That's, that's what I always <laughs> tried to answer. The or questions. be very good at avoiding them. Either way. Um, oh well, the, the way of avoiding them is to take it head on and say, "I'm I'm not going to answer that question. Explain why."
2: Quite. Uh, <laughs> the um, and I think that one of the great things about uh, the Leeds Castle, especially, is that um, it takes and talks to people. But again, from all different backgrounds, leading something very different, whether it's a charity, whether it's a business, whether it's in politics. There comes points, though, and David, you must have experienced this, whether as leading Sheffield City Council or as Home Secretary,
3: when people are looking at you for leadership, where do you get your strength from? I think there's something inside all of us. There's a tenacity, there's a an ambition, there's a desire to get things done, to make a difference inside you, whether you're in public service, the charities or you're driving a business that actually says, this is why I get up in the morning. So you've got to have something internal to yourself. The the second is the satisfaction you get back because you do from seeing things change for the better. You, You can take pride without being egotistical. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do and to want to do it even better. And that's why you need both sharp minds around you. In my case, it was special advisors as, as well as ministers. I pretty well picked my ministers. Sometimes Tony asked me to take people who I was a little bit iffy about, and we had to meld people into the team. I was able to pick all my own special advisors, and that really did make a difference. Mm. But in in the end, you've got to like what you're doing. I mean, the, the, the people who are un, unhappy in their skin, they they... It's very difficult to perform if you're in the wrong business or in the wrong department of a business or if you're really hating teaching or in politics, you, you're just in the wrong department. I was very lucky because education and employment were my first loves in terms of what I wanted to do and I got the job for four years. I'd then come to the conclusion that there were really big challenges for us. It turned out even bigger than I expected with the attack on the World Trade Center Mm. three months after I became Home Secretary. But the big challenges of security, of reducing crime, of dealing with the development of positive citizenship, which also had a read over in terms of immigration, the kind of things that change people's lives either for the better or the worse. And you don't get everything right. That's the other thing you've got to recognize, which is why being part of a broader team being able to take criticism but not always accept it <laughs> a, because otherwise you blow with the wind that that that's the the measure and i think if we can share those traits those experiences those different elements through the leadership council if we can get people from very very different leadership managerial roles and delivery roles to actually be able to share that experience, everyone will gain something from it because that dialogue will inform, it will avoid people reinventing the wheel, it will take people a lot further than the, the niche, for good or ill, the niche that they're in at the moment.
2: Um, David, the very uh, in a couple of minutes we have left, um, I will be mean and put you on the spot and ask you for predictions perhaps in three things. What will happen in the Labour leadership contest? How will the next few months go for the government after Brexit? Uh, well, after we leave the European Union on the 31st of January and where will
3: Sheffield Wednesday finish in the league? Lord above. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure which is the most difficult of those <laughs> questions. I, I've already in, indicated where my support is for the, the Labour leadership. If we take it at the end of January 2020... Keir Starmer has clearly got a got off to a very, very um, strong start. I think, however, it will be very much down to who can reach those parts of the Labour Party membership that came in on the back of Jeremy Corbyn's election in 2015 to that post, who can be persuaded that... What they want to see and the change, the big changes they'd like to enact can only be brought about in any form if we win and we win back the people, the tragic loss of people on our side uh, mm. in December 2019. And, and that, that's got to be Lisa Nandi or, or Kia. On, on the, um, the, the next few months... I think that the government will probably do quite well. I, I I think that there are real dangers ahead in just having 11 months to negotiate trade deals, especially with bellicose pronouncements about we're not going to have alignment, as though alignment in itself is a bad thing when some of it will be very good. So I think there are dangers, but I think there's quite a bit of momentum going with the government at the moment, and that will be reflected in relationships in doing deals in Europe and facing outwards to the rest of the world. Sheffield Wednesday, God help me. I mean, you know, how is it that two of the things that are most important to me, other than my family and loved ones, is football and and politics? I think Sheffield Wednesday will be hard-pressed now to get into the playoffs. If we do, I think we could pull it off. But I am really reluctant
2: And I think on that prediction, your reputation will be judged. Lord Blunkett, thank you very much for joining us today. God bless you, Jonathan.
0: (laughs) This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland